0: And now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a special hello goes out to the director of media for the Boston Bruins alumni, Mr. Mark Willand. to
1: see you, Welcome to the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast, the home of behind-the-scenes interviews, stories, and memories that celebrate the heritage of the great game of hockey. The Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast is hosted by Mark Willand. Gretzky, Gretzky, at the right point.
2: Gretzky in front, the Nichols, he
1: scores! What a goal by Bernie Nichols! Episode 28 of the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast features Bernie Nichols, one of hockey's all-time great goal scorers who scored 521 regular season and playoff goals with several NHL teams and an impressive 18-year career. Bernie offers great memories of his NHL days playing with Marcel Dion and Wayne Gretzky and the exciting 1980s scene in LA's fabulous forum. He also talks candidly about his fight to assist NHL alumni who have suffered post-career health issues related to head injuries. Drafted by LA in 1980, Bernie would enjoy over 8 productive years with the Kings, highlighted by his historic 1988-89 campaign which saw him record 70 goals, 80 assists and 150 points. He's one of only eight players in NHL history to score 70 goals in one season and one of only five to score 150 points. A three-time NHL All-Star, Bernie to had successful stops with the Rangers, Oilers, Blackhawks, Devils and Sharks before retiring in 1999. Today, Bernie is involved in All Sports Market, the first ever real money sports stock market where you can buy actual shares of your favorite team. Bernie explains this exciting program on the show. You can also visit allsportsmarket.com for details. Now, let's talk classic hockey with Bernie Nichols. We're back on the show with one of the most prolific and entertaining players in hockey in the 80s and 90s, Mr. Pumpernickel himself. Bernie Nichols, who scored 517 goals between the regular season and playoffs in the NHL, played in three all-star games, entertained fans coast to coast, mostly with the Los Angeles Kings and with a a variety of other teams as well. So, Bernie Nichols, thanks so much for being with us today.
0: I appreciate the time.
1: Bernie, you're a a small-town kid, Halbert in Ontario, which is the definition of a small town, I guess. Um... When did you start getting involved in in hockey, and when did you realize that uh, you may have a natural talent for it? Did you play multiple sports?
0: Oh, I did. Um, I played uh, football in high school. I played softball. I played in the summer games uh, in Canada, uh, junior softball. Uh, But, you know, it was always hockey that was my favorite sport. Uh, I started skating when I was three and then started probably playing league games when I was five. So, uh, you know, being from Canada, you start early.
1: Absolutely. Now, in order to be a successful young player and to be able to play when you're three years old and start developing your skills at a young age, I'm assuming your parents were uh, very much involved in your young development.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, My dad was a a great hockey player himself. So, uh, you know, he... I remember when I was small he, he made a nice rink out right in our front lawn, uh watered it and uh so we could skate there. Uh like you say, growing up in Canada we were at, we had lakes and ponds that froze over we could skate, so we had uh, lots of opportunities to to skate and, and play hockey and uh you know, my mom and dad made sure I, I got to all them and uh regular games and stuff, so they were very supportive for me.
1: That's great. Bernie, when you were obviously as a player, you're known for that hand-eye coordination that shot. Is that something that came to you naturally? Obviously, you worked at it. But is it something that you could tell at a young age you had the ability to uh, to shoot and stick handle better than the average kid?
0: I think so. Uh, I think one of my best gifts was probably my hand-eye coordination. And, uh, and that helps me to play other sports as well. Uh, but I think uh, I knew at a young age thick handling, handling the puck. It, it came pretty natural for me, so uh, that was that was a big plus, no question.
1: Well, as you develop, you end up with in the OHA with the Kingston Canadians uh, a little bit later. I believe you're 18 when you uh, first joined the team. Uh, how did that all come about, and how did uh, that? How did you end up being a Kingston Canadian?
0: I was drafted. Uh, to Kingston, I played in um, in Woodstock, uh, and I get drafted to, to Kingston, and then, uh, you know, was fortunate enough to play there for uh, three years, two and a half, more or less.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but great time in Kingston for sure.
1: You were obviously drafted uh, by the Los Angeles Kings in 1980. What was your reaction to being, did you expect to go higher or lower? And what was your reaction being traded, be, being drafted by the LA Kings?
0: Well, uh, to be honest with you, just getting drafted, you're, you're thrilled to death. Uh, growing up in a small town in Canada, I really didn't know much about the LA Kings. You know, we, uh, you, you grow up every Saturday night. You got the Toronto Maple Leafs, you got the Montreal Canadiens, um Games from the West Coast don't come on. And at that time, there was only one, one team out there in Vancouver, I guess. But uh, So you didn't know a whole lot about them. But like I said, you're thrilled to get drafted. Uh, so it doesn't really matter where you go. I think as a, a player, you want to play. So you hope you don't go to a team that's loaded in your position. Right. Uh, you know, for us, we had the great Marcel Dion. Uh, but after that, they weren't real strong there, so I knew that, uh, you know, I, I felt confident that I, I would have an opportunity to, to play and, and be able to play there.
1: I wanted to you remind me of something. I wanted to take one quick step back. Growing up in Ontario, I'm assuming you were a Toronto Maple Leafs fan in the early and mid-'70s. Uh, Daryl Sittler, Landon McDonald, Errol Thompson, Boya Salming, that whole crew, uh, were you a fan of the Leafs?
0: Well, I really wasn't. Um, (laughs) I was wrong. I I like Boston. Uh, I like the Bruins a little bit. Uh, I was a huge fan uh, of the Islanders uh, before I get drafted with Trache, Bossy, that group when they were winning the Stanley Cups. But Mm -hmm. as much as uh, I, I grew up in Ontario, I love playing the game. Uh played it all the time. I, I wasn't necessarily. I know uh, my dad was a a Gordie Howe fan, Detroit Red Wings, and, and Montreal Canadiens. So uh, neither one of them were a, a huge Leafs fan. So I, I guess I never really uh, became a Leafs fan uh, as much as uh, some of the other teams. I guess.
1: Right. Yeah, you know, you've always seemed like uh, even in your early days. Have a lot of fun out there on the ice, and I'm assuming I get I get the impression that your your dad coaching you, I, you don't seem like the type of kid that had a lot of pressure put on you. It seemed like uh, the enjoyment of the game was uh, was a priority uh, to your parents. Is that the case?
0: Well, I I absolutely had someone when I played, and you know, a lot of times I get criticized of uh, uh, maybe too much of that you know I'm talking to players uh talking to goalies out there I, I'm just having fun you know I, and I say to the state even when I go skate now it, it's fun for me um it I'm not saying it necessarily came easy but it did it, it it was something that I could do and I could do well but it was absolutely fun and uh and I, I took that with me my whole career it was just I was blessed to be able to play uh it was an honor to play in the NHL and and it's a game, and, and I had fun at it. You know, I think uh, with my dad as my coach, my dad was probably the hardest coach on me as a player just because he knew what I was capable of doing. Right. And it, he was hard on me in a good way. You know, my dad was never hard on me in a bad way. It was He, he pushed me to be the best I could be. And, uh, you know, I, I guess when you're, you know, he's your daddy. He's not going to be hard on the other kids as much as <laughs> is his own. So, right. uh, but it was great to me. He was always my, my best coach, uh, because he, he, he knew what, uh, he expected from me and, and he, he demanded it, but it, but he did it in a good way.
1: Bernie, you are again, drafted by LA Kings and you start your career. As we mentioned before the interview in new Haven, where you, establishes yourself right away and you're playing with a classic old school coach don perry and a lot of veterans on that team a lot of guys nearing the end of their careers uh what was that experience like your first pro season down there in uh, the new haven coliseum
0: well obviously uh you're disappointed you're you're getting sent down but uh like i said before i just love to play so um it, it was a lot of fun. I played in New Haven, uh, like you said. We had some older veteran players there. Don Perry was your your classic uh, old school coach. You know, uh, I loved Don, um, and uh, you know, it, it was fun. We I don't remember how how well we we done as a team, but uh, I, I just know playing it was great. Waiting for your opportunity as a player, I didn't. I I felt I shouldn't have been there. Uh, I think with what happened back then, you you got guys on one-way contracts, uh, so uh, they would stay ahead of you just because of their their contracts back then, Right. and uh, even though they probably shouldn't be there. So I obviously had to go down. Uh, I, I waited for the opportunity to come up. When I got called up, uh I made sure that I wouldn't be sent down. Uh made sure that they knew that, you know, we made we made a mistake. He he should have been here the whole time. So uh and that's all you can do as a player. You you're given an opportunity and, and you gotta go do make the best of it and, and I did that.
1: You sure did, Bernie. Uh you know you just fit right in and took right off from the from the get go. Do you recall when you came to LA who who your line mates were you were you were centering which players anybody in particular when you first came up
0: um I'm not really too sure who they had me with uh when I when I first got up there I know uh I played with Jimmy Fox on my right wing for a a long period of time um but my first year, I'm not a hundred percent sure who I played with. It was uh, a little too long ago and too many hits to the head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you once told a story. I can't remember where of your first game and Jerry Corab. Um, do you recall that scenario?
0: Yeah, we're playing in Calgary uh, back in the day. That was a Calgary, the, the old Calgary Corral, and.
1: Oh the, yeah, the, the, the boards big boards were
0: like like five feet high. Where like, you couldn't <laughs> even jump over the boards like the, the players do now because it's too far. You're going to hurt yourself. Uh, but Gary Jerry got hit into the, the glass and and I'm standing there and there's a fan banging on the glass and I go over and his teeth. He's got a plate. All his teeth are uh, on the dasher <laughs> board. His he teeth knocked out. So that was kind of my first experience. Uh, my first game.
1: That's funny. King Kong Korab, uh, of all people. It's funny yeah. you mentioned those boards at the uh, old Stampede Corral, infamous. Now, do you remember your goal score? Like I said, you you had 517. Do you remember your first?
0: Oh, absolutely. We were in uh, Colorado. Uh, it was a, a breakaway, shorthanded. Najeeq, the goalie, uh, Glen Chico Rush, and scored. I end up scoring two goals that night we won two nothing.
1: you got your I, I'm curious about your mentality now. you are in the National Hockey League, and you're very productive right away. Um, wh- I guess my, my my question is is that you know a lot of guys it, it, it's kind of a there, there's a, there's a process going you gain your confidence and you gain your stature in the league, you seem to just step right in right away and it seemed to be kind of your personality not not cocky but just confident in yourself and I was just curious did you feel like you know right away hey you belong here and you're you're you were ready to go
0: yeah absolutely um, confidence was never a problem with me. Uh, you know, I think you know you try not to be arrogant, but I think uh, most of your good players they 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 have to have a cocky attitude, you know, uh, somewhat. And and I was definitely confident in in my ability, and uh, you know, things like like I said, scoring goals, uh, it, it my whole life it kind of came easy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it's easy to score, but I think. For, for some people, uh, they're gifted that they can do that. And I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. And uh, I, I did it at the highest level.
1: You sure did. And you did it consistently. And it was a fun time to be in LA. I mean, the so you're a small town kid. I, I'm just curious what that is like. You come into the bright lights of LA, you've got celebrities. I mean, Sly Stallone used to go to the games. And. Uh, it was showtime for the L.A. Lakers, and you guys obviously would be able to watch them play. Um, what was it like? What was the whole L.A. scene like for you, uh, just being around all that that star power and, and glitz and glamour?
0: Oh, It was awesome. Uh, you know, I always tell people, my hometown, there isn't uh, possibly a hundred people in it. <laughs> in my small town. Wow. And I went from there to the largest city in, you know, North America. There's 10 million people in L.A. And, uh, you know, it was awesome. I did everything. Uh, the cool thing with with the Kings is we played Saturday night. Uh, the Lakers played Friday night. I'd go down to all the Laker games. I'd go by myself. I'd stand there. They'd let me stand out by the floor. I'd watch – uh the, the games there in their Dressing Room, Talk to Magic, and, you know, Michael Cooper, all the old Lakers, mm-hmm. and uh, get to watch them play. Like you said, at our games, you'd have Sylvester Stallone, we had uh, Kirk Russell, Goldie Hawn, huh? John Candy used to right. uh, come to a lot of our games. All the, Tom Hanks uh, would come, and uh, you know, we get to, to meet and hang them athletes when the pga tour would come in the, the professional golfers would come to the games and um you know you get to meet them so it was awesome uh playing in la there's a lot lot of stuff to do and you know you always get a kick out of uh people saying you know how do you play when it's 70 degrees 80 yeah. degrees out you know and i'm saying well if you grow up in canada uh and and I played in Edmonton. I remember coming out after a game in Edmonton or after practice, and it's minus 40 degrees. So <laughs> you tell me. Did you sooner come out uh, when it's uh, 75 and sunny or uh, come outside when it's minus 30 or minus 40 in the snow? You know, it's not that hard to figure out where you'd sooner be. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah, L.A. was a, quite a cool place to
1: play. One guy you mentioned before, I, I wanted to get your impressions of, uh, your your remembrances of, is uh, Hockey Hall of Famer Marcel Dion. Uh, obviously, one of the great players who ever played the game, and prior to your arrival was the cornerstone of the Kings franchise in the mid-'70s to early-'80s. What are your memories of Marcel as a player?
0: Uh, Marcel was gifted, uh, no question. You know, like... Um, like you look at the size of him, right? Uh, small French boy. Uh, I don't know if he was five, seven, maybe, maybe not that. You know, and he scored. I'm not sure if he scored seven. I know he scored over 600 goals, but possibly 700 goals in the NHL. Like, um, and he never had. A, he never. I I don't even think I've ever seen him slap shot the puck. You know, it's always wrist shot mm-hmm. uh, in close the net, deacon the goalies or something like that. But uh, over five hundred, six hundred goals in the NHL, they're they're obviously gifted. Marsh was he was he was a good, uh, a fierce competitor, no question.
1: Look at those LA teams through the eighties. Uh, there was a, there was a lot of turnover as far as coaches were concerned, uh, and you know some ups and downs in the throughout the mid eighties. While you yourself remained consistent. Of the coaches you had in that time stretch, or maybe all the, all the coaches you had in LA, who was your favorite and why?
0: Uh, Pat Quinn, uh, without a doubt. Um, Pat reminded me a lot of my dad. He was a, a big, burly man. Uh, Pat was hard on me in a good way. You know, he, he knew what uh, to expect from me and he knew uh, how to get it out of me. Uh, Roger Nelson. I, I love Roger. Just uh his dedication to to the game uh how hard he worked at it um you know we we went through i think in in my nine or ten years as an l a king i think we had ten ten coaches there wow. it was unbelievable but uh you know i i'd say pat quinn was uh was my favorite
1: well, the next question I'll ask you is the one you've been asked a thousand times. But I'll ask it for the thousand first. I was curious where, if you're a real hockey fan, for example, you kind of remember where you were or what you were doing when you heard that Wayne Gretzky got traded to the LA Kings. So, my question for you is the obvious one. Uh, do you remember your hearing about that and what was your reaction when he- hearing that news?
0: I was actually, uh, I don't know if you know the. Uh, uh, Lake Tahoe, they, they have that celebrity golf event in Lake right. Tahoe. Mm-hmm. They've had it there for years. Uh, actually, uh Mike Ruzioni and I were the first ever hockey players. I was the first NHL hockey player to ever play in that and played in it for 10 years. And, uh, I was there and it was actually Jeremy Roenick was playing in it. And he came up to me and said, I heard you, you know, you guys just got Wayne Gretzky, you know? And in my mind I'm going, uh, you gotta be kidding me <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh and uh i i said uh i couldn't believe it obviously uh, but that's where i was and uh can't believe it
1: so things really change in la at that point i remember as i mentioned earlier i was working with the the hartford whalers at that time and you guys were like rock stars at that point 88-89 season, L.A. Kings. Talk to me about just the change in the whole atmosphere around the Kings with Wayne Gretzky, which, by the way, you guys aren't even linemates. You play the same position. But uh, if you do play a power play time together, but what's it like now? What's the feeling going on the road and, and being an L.A. King now in the Wayne Gretzky era?
0: Well, now uh, we went from getting... 10, 12,000 fans every night. Diehard True Kings fans to sold out every night. Celebrities, uh, everybody want to, to come and watch. Uh, you know, instead of two or three reporters at the game every night, you got 10 or 15. Uh, every building you go to on the road now is packed uh, because they, they want to come and see the great one. Um, having the opportunity to play with Wayne have an opportunity to hang with Wayne every day. It it was probably the the greatest part of, you know, next to have an opportunity to play in the NHL for me, just having the opportunity to play with Wayne. You know, obviously you'll never forget and wish that it lasted for more than a year and a half. You you know, I couldn't imagine what it would have been like to play with Wayne for 10 years, five, 10 years. It was, he was just a different person. Uh, Obviously amazing. And, Everybody wanted a piece of him. Everybody wanted to come watch him play, and you know, he demanded the best out of everybody. And I think you know, great players do that. Great players bring the best out of everybody. You mm-hmm. want to go, and uh, you don't want to let them down. And and he, he gets the best out of you. And it, it was it was a great year for us. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we did very well, and uh, it was just an amazing time to play with to play with Wayne.
1: Well. No small part of that season's success for the L.A. Kings. You have a year for the ages, oh, boy. When I was a kid, and Phil Esposito scored his seventy-sixth goal, I, I said to myself, "Man, that no one's gonna touch these records." And of course, Wayne did. But that seventy-goal mark is like is something you don't even dream about. I mean, I can't even imagine. You would have imagined scoring that many, but seventy goals, eighty assists. It had to be an incredible feeling of just uh, going into the, into the rink every night and saying to yourself, you know, you're under control here, and you're going to score. It's amazing. Uh, what was your, your, your mindset? I, I know obviously you had Wayne, and he was on, on the power play with you, but uh, what was your mindset now? Because you personally are setting all kinds of uh, personal team and uh, hockey, hockey records.
0: Yeah, it was uh, – well, you couldn't wait to get to the rink every day. It was just that much fun, Uh, and obviously, you know, with with any sport you're playing, confidence is where it's all about. What it's all about, and uh, you know, my confidence level was high. It was something that, you know, you you knew you're gonna uh, be successful every night you played. Not that you did, but your mindset is I'm scoring every night, and uh, you know, you just went out and you played, you had fun, and you just couldn't. You know, you couldn't wait to go to the next game or wait for next practice. It was just, it was just unbelievable to to be out there and playing with Wayne every night and the team we had. It was just that much fun. And obviously, when your confidence levels up and you're scoring goals, it's just, you know, it's just a magical season that you just hope's never going to come to an end.
1: Right. Well, of course it did. And as you mentioned, you know, you are rolling in the next year. You're on a hundred point plus pace again. Um, things are rolling along for you in LA. And as you said, I mean, there's, there's guys, you know, if you get a chance to play with Gretzky and all the other great players that you had in LA, you know, Luke and Steve Duchesne or whatever, you get a chance to keep that crew, that crew intact for six or seven years. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're looking at a, you know, even more prolific career than what you had. But unfortunately, uh, you were traded and it didn't come cheap. Thomas Sandstrom, Tony Granato, um, I have to assume that that trade, when you heard about that trade, were you surprised, were there rumors, and what was your reaction to it?
0: Well, I was obviously devastated. Uh, There was no rumors. Uh, We were at the NHL All-Star Game in Pittsburgh, and it was actually actually after the skills competition, uh, Mike Vernon, that came to me and said, I heard you were traded. And I went, what are you talking about? And Actually, that was the year after my, my big year. I went to the owner, Bruce McNoll. I wanted to buy a house in, in L.A. It was an expensive house. He said, yeah, do it. He says, I'll never trade you. Uh, three months later, uh, I get traded to New York. And, you know, like I said, um, having the opportunity to play with Wayne and getting traded, and that was the, the toughest part. Uh, not going to be able to play with him anymore, so it, it was a tough time for sure.
1: However, I guess if you're going to get traded from L.A. from a city perspective, New York's a pretty good place to go, and they obviously they want you there. And you had a great playoff that first year for the for the Rangers. How did you enjoy enjoy your time in Madison Square Garden with the uh, New York Rangers?
0: Oh, I, I loved it. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I loved every place I played. L- like I talked about earlier, I just loved playing. Uh, but like you said, having the opportunity to go play in New York, Madison Square Gardens, uh, I loved the people in New York. They, they treated me great. Um, we, we did have a, a good run there, uh, the playoffs. But uh, you know, obviously, we would like to. Did better, but I mean, still having the opportunity to play. If you if if you get traded from LA, uh, there isn't a much better place to go than New York.
1: You had some real nice stops along the way with with a variety of teams and a lot of success, and you're able to as you get older, which a lot of I think of. You know, guys like Bobby Carpenter, guys like that, even you know, in yourself, later in your career, you shift gears, uh, your role is changing, you become more of a leader, More of a de- uh, your, your defensive game becomes more prominent. Um, was that a difficult adjustment for you to uh, go from first-line scorer to uh, oftentimes being put out there against the other team's top line to shut them down?
0: No, not at all. Um, I think, and, and I learned that from Jacques Lemaire, uh, you know, the great Jacques Lemaire coach when I was in New Jersey. Uh, you know, to be a – as as a hockey player, you, you want to be called upon in every situation, uh, whether it's to score a goal or whether it's to defend a goal, kill a penalty, be in the power play, uh, so, or take a big face-off. I took pride in face-offs. Um, you, you know, you want to be a complete player. Like I said, my uh, my favorite player growing up – or you know, before I turned pro was Brian Trache.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Brian did it all. He was tough, uh, great goal scorer, great leader, great defensive player. Uh, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be that person out there at any time in the game, uh, whether, you know, you had to prevent a goal, you had to score a goal and block shots. I love blocking shots. I'd do anything it took to to help your team win. And uh, you learn that, uh, you know, I, I enjoy, helping kids uh and when i got older to have that role to be a, a leader and uh kind of help the younger kids i love that there uh mm-hmm. to see a young kid come up and, and be successful and you know if you have anything to do with that to me there's nothing better than that and i i love even seeing some guys that i play with like patrick marlowe for example right uh he was in uh you know he was in san jose when i was there i was I got signed there as the number one centerman with the uh, thought that, you know, Patrick would take over and I'd take a lesser role. And and I love that. And, you know, to see him still playing to this day, he's, you know, 20 years in the league and he's still successful. <laughs> and, you know, just to think that I was a little part of uh, him when he started, you know, that's awesome to me.
1: And It is great to have that impact. And ultimately, probably the most important contribution you'll, you'll have is the impact on on others. Now, one player I wanted to ask you about who played late into uh, his 40s was a teammate of yours. I know you have a lot of respect for Chris Chelios. Talk a little bit about Chris and you know, his approach to the game and what your impressions were of, of him as a teammate.
0: Uh, i said this before, other than obviously Gratz, uh, Playing with Wayne, I said if I could play with one person my whole career it would be Chris Chelios. And uh, you know, when we when we started when we broke in the league, there wasn't much training, there wasn't much working out, uh, and I never done that. You know, mm-hmm. nowadays kids are in such good shape they they work out on the ice, off the ice, basically 12 months a year. And it wasn't until I got to Chicago I started working out, started training. You know, uh, and it's because of Chris. We'd be doing push-ups and sit-ups in the sauna, uh, working out. There was nobody that was more dedicated and worked harder than Chris. And, uh, you know, we became great friends, still are. And uh, to me, there's not a a person that I, I would sooner go to battle with than him.
1: Bernie, I was going to ask you, aside from Wayne who was the most talented player you skated against
0: oh Mario! no question there isn't there isn't a more gifted player to ever play the game than Mariel Lemieux. not one
1: I would I would agree with that um yeah he was we had this conversation Peter Tagland was our most recent guest and at that time in the nineties, I was working for the Penguins at the time. And I had that sensation, that feeling sometime about Mario that when he really wanted to do something, he would do it. Uh, yeah. so if he were if all of everything was lined up correctly and he was healthy and he was ready to go, that you just literally could not stop it. I'll never forget one night against the St. Louis no. Blues and Grant Fuhrer was a goalie, he was ninety six. And he had just gotten some good news. His son had been, you know, some questions about the, the birth of his son, and he had gotten some good news. His son was, was healthy and everything, and got a nice ovation when he came on the ice. You could just feel the weight of the world off his shoulders at that point, and you just knew something was going to happen. He went out and he scored five goals. I uh, never quite saw anything yeah. anything like him. Um,
0: well, I think if you remember, uh, he'd done that before. He did that in New York one night, too, but... Canada Cup in 89, I think it was, or 88, maybe. uh, The greatest players in the world. And he was obviously, he played with Wayne, uh, same line and stuff, but he was by far the best player in the world during that tournament. It was just, like, it was ridiculous how, how well he played.
1: It sure was. You know, it's going to be great if someone, you know, like yourself, to play, you play in three All-Star games. You played at a high level. You're playing with the greatest guys who've ever who have ever laced them up, and that I guess brings me to a question. You finish up with the Sharks, uh, perhaps somewhat prematurely, and my question is, what? I always am wondering about this about players, especially high-level players who really enjoyed the play. What is that that first year like out of the hockey it's September? You're, getting, you're used to getting ready for training camp and that routine that now has been a part of your life for 18 years in the NHL. This is your first year. You haven't done it. Um, what was your mentality like then, then? Did you feel like you were through and you, you had moved on, or did it still hurt a little bit that, that next year?
0: Yeah, I think uh, for the first couple of years, you probably feel like you can still play, uh, but then that will wear off. But I think, you know, you need something to do. I think uh, when people retire, if they don't have something to do that they're passionate about, then uh, they will struggle with it. Uh, You know, for me, I do a lot of hunting. Uh, Come September, uh, right through to Christmas time, I I hunt. So uh, that kind of took over for me, um, which kind of helped. and. You know, I think that that definitely made it a lot easier. But for a lot of people, they do struggle. So you know, it, definitely need something to do.
1: Absolutely. So eventually, however, and I, I think I had forgotten about this. I shouldn't have forgotten about it, but I did. that You're a Stanley Cup winner. Daryl Sutter brings you in to work with the Kings. You talked earlier about giving back to the game and helping these kids out. But not only did you do that, you're part of a Stanley Cup champion. Something that was elusive during your playing career. Tell me how that feeling was to to win a cup, uh, coaching and helping out with the LA Kings.
0: Oh, that was uh, that was unbelievable. It was uh, I called different times. LA was always my team. Uh, I always watched them, and they were just struggling, like in the power plays and stuff. And and I kept calling asking if I'd come out and help, just do anything, you know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, at the time the coach didn't really think it'd be a good idea, whatever. So, uh, when he got fired, when Daryl got hired, I, it was right at Christmas time and January. And I had asked Daryl, I said, look, I'd like to come and help, you know? And, uh, I played for Daryl twice. And, and when I retired, uh, I ended up being an assistant with Daryl in San Jose for the remainder of the year. So he had no problems with it, liked the idea. So kind of gave me the the, uh, the chance. So I went there and, you know, as much as I was like an assistant coach, uh, I still hung with the players. I worked with the players every day. I just, I hung with them. I didn't hang with the coaches, you know, it mm-hmm. was, uh, so it was a great experience. I love doing it, love working with the kids and, watching what they went through, you know, and, and then when it came to the playoff run, the success they had, uh, how they prepared every day, to, the run, it was like I knew what they were going through and uh, I lived it with them as much as, you know, how cool it would have been to play. Uh, being a part of it as a coach was uh, obviously second best to that. So it was still pretty cool.
1: No doubt about that. And, you know, what I wanted to ask you as we – wind it down and again we really appreciate the time today i was you had a lot of fun and when i think of bernie nichols i think of a smile on your face and i think of a guy obviously who could score but as we said to start this interview off guy who who had a lot of fun playing the game but of course it also came with a price and you've been very vocal to talk about uh you know, some of the issues, and I, I work with a lot of former players, uh, with the Bruins alumni, uh, a lot of the ex-Hartford Whalers, and, you know, everybody has, I guess, a somewhat similar experience, and everybody has different degrees of injuries that they suffered. I, it, I guess I'm going to ask you a very general question. It was during your career, did you realize the toll, all that pounding? You're a goal scorer, so you've got a target on your back. Did you? And you weren't afraid to mix it up yourself. I mean, you had over a hundred penalty minutes uh, multiple times. But at any point during your career, were you aware of uh, the the toll all this was was taking on you physically?
0: Well, I think you you understand going in that your body's going to get uh, beat up. You know, you're, you're going to probably have arthritis when when you retire. Um, you know, for the most part, like. For me, I, I broke both my feet. I broke my ankle. I um, partially tore both my knees. I uh, had a ha- uh, tore my hamstring. Had a hernia. I had a lacerated spleen. Oh. I separated my shoulder. I broke my jaw. I got uh, stepped on with a skate, and uh, uh, I have no feeling in my one thumb. I broke uh my one finger, I broke my one thumb, I shattered a finger, I broke my wrist. <laughs> I had uh twenty five stitches over my, my right eye. I had seven stitches in my tongue, I had nine stitches under my nose. Um all my teeth or all my front teeth have all been shattered, gone. Uh and and then I've had probably three or four concussions. Um like, so, you know, you, you kind of know what you're getting into as far as when when you break bones, you know, you know, how that's going to, uh, how they're going to heal.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you, like I say, you know, you're going to have some arthritis, but I think where you're getting at is the head injuries, you know, and I told this to attorneys. I said, you know, like, uh, for me, when I played, I told, I asked a trainer, or I asked the doctor, you know, they would tell me if I'm good to play. I've frozen my broken bones to play. I've frozen my body parts to play, to perform. Mm-hmm. And each time I, I, I asked them, you know, is it okay to do that? Am I going to hurt it any worse? And, you know, if that, if if they tell me, no, you can't, you can't. I, uh, like, I tore my, uh, partially tore my, my knee the one, Day and uh, I was going back out in the ice. The GM said, "Can you play?" I said, "Yeah, I'll go. I'll try." And the doctor stopped me and said, "Look, you can't go."
2: Right. I said,
0: "Okay." And I've never had that with my head. You know, I broke my I broke my jaw in Calgary one night. Uh, I go to the bench, um, and obviously I was woozy when I get hit. Uh, I sit there for a little bit. Guy says, "You okay?" I go, "Yeah, I'm okay. I'll go." About One or two shifts later, I get hit into the far end boards. My jaw went out of joint. So chances are good I got two concussions in a matter of probably 10 minutes. Wow. And for anybody who knows anything now with what's going on, the reason Sid is as bad as he is is because he got two concussions kind of in a row before he was healed from the first one. Right. And, you know, back when we played, we were never told that, you know, your head has to heal before you play. Now they have that, and that's great. You know, they have the pr- concussion protocol. When a people gets hit, you know, football, hockey, it's all the same now. When you get hit, you go right to the quiet room. You got to pass a concussion test before you can play again. Your heal head has to be healed. We were never told that. So, uh, you know, for now, uh, are we going to be, uh, worse off than the the kids now probably because the kids off now, you know, they know, you know, the league knows better. They, they won't let them play when they're not ready to play. And so, you know, it's all a matter of how bad, uh, we had it. Uh, there's guys that are paying a big price for it. Uh, and, you know, hopefully now with what's happened, uh, that they're supposed to be money in place for guys that if they do need it. And that was the reason why I got involved with, uh, the lawsuit to begin with, mm-hmm. um, was just for the other guy. I wasn't for me when I sat down, uh, when I had my deposition with the league, the, the attorney said, you know, you're not going to get money for this, right? I said, yeah, absolutely. I know I'm not, uh, I'm a, like a class B or class two, uh, it's not for, I'm not doing it for me. Uh, I just want to make sure that people that need it get help. And, and if, uh, down the line, if I need help, then hopefully there'll be something there for me. And, and so at the end of the day now with what they settled with, that's supposedly what it's supposed to be, uh, that if someone needs help, that there's going to be money there for them. And, you know, but now for the guys that did stand up for, their their other teammates, they won't do anything to the NHL again. The NHL won't take a call from them or, or won't help them out any which way, shape, or form. And I know that for a fact because I've called the NHL for um, somebody else, not mm. n- nothing to do with me.
2: All right,
0: and they w- wouldn't even take my call. Uh, so I know that. So well, yeah, uh, that's that's the disturbing. yeah to pay. Yeah. Uh, I paid a big price, and it wasn't for me. It was for former teammates, so or players in the league.
1: Right. Well, commendable on your part, of course. Classy and uh, typical of you. And I, I just feel, uh, you know, I feel a little disheartened to hear that story. You brought so much enjoyment. You brought a lot of money into the National Hockey League for the uh, for the teams you played for. Um Looking back at your career bernie um and I wanted to talk a little bit about what you 're doing now in in a moment, but just um, uh, just looking back aside from what you've just mentioned, which i think the obvious answer is, would you do anything different? Do you have any regrets about your career that if you go back you'd, you'd do over again
0: no i don't think so uh you know like i said i I had fun what would I probably do you know obviously uh you learn as you get older. And you see how now kids, you know, they're not better shape because we were in great shape there. But they worked harder. Their, their game was, uh, like I said, I didn't start working out to play until I was uh, like 10 years in the league when I got wow. to Chicago. Uh, <laughs> you know, we never did that. We'd go to training camp to get in shape. And, you know, they didn't work on the th- their game to make it even that much better. We were gifted. Uh and but you can always work at it and, and and be better and and you know I never had that uh we never had anybody to kind of take you and show you to do that when I was in LA and that's like I said when I got to Chicago with Chalios and them that you worked out and you worked harder at your game and I wish I had done that from the start but other than that it was uh it was a lot of fun and uh, I sure wouldn't, wouldn't change any of it. It was, it was a magical ride for sure. Just it's, to play.
1: Yeah, it in, sure in was.
0: It's just,
1: yeah. Sure was. Even for a fan watching you, it was uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of fun. And you know, what also I, what I've really been fascinated with, and I had noticed it uh, I think about a year ago, um, all sports market, which is a sports team stock market website where, People can own stock in their favorite teams. And Bernie, I was curious: uh, a) how you got involved with that; you're a co-owner, and uh, can you talk a little bit to our to our, to our fans about um, uh, All Sports Market and what it is and uh, how they can get involved?
0: Well, it was my cousin actually asked me. Uh, there was a group, uh, I think, out of Texas at the time. Um, they uh, they had this company called all sports market and what it is it's actually the first ever real money sports stock market uh there's a play a free site and you can put money in and uh a real site where right now you can go buy shares in the boston bruins the new york yankees the la kings the toronto blue jays uh any sports team and it's performance based if they they play well uh, every win you get paid dividends. Uh, it's not gambling because if you make an investment, it doesn't expire. Where if you make a bet on the uh, the Boston Celtics tonight and they end up losing, well, you lose your bet. Right. This is an investment. Uh, you know, it, you you just you invest in your team like. I don't know any sports fan that wouldn't want to feel like they own a piece of their own team. Right, and this is what it is. Uh, you you can go buy shares in it, and the cool thing is, is you can look around the league. For example, and if it, if it's uh, baseball, is probably the best example. Say you got shares in the Boston Red Sox; they're your favorite team. Well, you look around the league and you see the the L. A. Dodgers have a home stand for like three weeks with terrible teams coming in. So mm-hmm. you you buy shares in them they go say 18 of 21 so obviously their shares are going to go up you get paid dividends on every win you turn around sell them you look for another team meanwhile you still have shares in your own team or a team makes a big trade like when uh when a couple of years ago when uh, the kids signed with uh, the Celtics you know mm-hmm. obviously it was going to make them be a better team you, you You know, you look for something like that or a first-round draft choice. So uh, the site's great. They have a play site uh, to get comfortable. Like I said, it's not gambling. It's investing. Um, There's nothing. It's not illegal gambling or anything like that. And, you know, they have a cap on it. They don't want people, you know, investing $10,000, $20,000. They they make it small, but it's fun for people. So, you know, you go to allsportsmarket.com. And you can sign up. Sign up's free. You can play for free. And then when you feel comfortable, you know, buy shares in your favorite team. It's always fun. Like I say, there's nothing better to watch a a sports team play when you have invested interest in it. So it's a great concept. And, uh, you know, the the toughest part is to tell the world about it because every sports fan wants to be a part of it.
1: Absolutely. You know, for those of us who consider ourselves to be sports know-it-alls, now we can put our money where our mouth is and uh, right. <laughs> so i'm excited about it we'll get involved and for those who are listening we'll have in our show notes all the links and and more information so you can get right to the website but bernie i just want to tell you i really enjoyed talking to you i've been looking forward to this for quite some time like i said you were so entertaining a lot of fun to watch first class all the time and thanks so much for the time today and we look forward to talking to you again soon i
0: appreciate it thank all right, you bernie take care
1: buddy bye Thanks for listening to the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast. Be sure to visit us at ProHockeyAlumni.org.